What's going on, guys? And welcome back to the Bridging the Gap podcast. It's been a while. It's been a while. Thank you very much for tuning back in. Uh, I appreciate you guys who have been following me continuously on Instagram, on YouTube. Those have been my main focuses with the podcast. Sort of taking a back burner as kind of like business got crazy. Um, but I found the balance, I feel. So I'm back. And I want to set the scene for you. I'm sat in my garden. It's a beautiful day. The sun is out. I've got an open hoodie, open zip hoodie, because I burnt my shoulders. But I still want to get enough sunlight on me. Um, so I'm covering my shoulders with my stomach out. Um, I've got a 3D energy drink right here. It's the blue one. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's like a blue raz. Think of slush puppy. Think of slush puppy at the cinema. That's me, the blue one. That is me right now, drinking, and it's fantastic. Um, I've got a few things that I want to talk about. Obviously, a little catch-up. I'm eight weeks into my prep. I'm just under nine weeks out. Um, things have changed dramatically um, visually, which is crazy. I think the last time I spoke to you guys, I was like 105 kilos. I went up to 108, like just below 108, so about 107.6. I'm now 98 on the dot, so I've lost a good like nine kilos over a stone, um, and it's been crazy. It's been crazy, but it's been awesome. Like I feel good still. Um, calories are getting low. Um, I'm on about two seven on training days and like 1800 on non-training days, so it's fairly low for someone who's like 98 kilos. I'm doing cardio every day. Um, I'm using more drugs than I've ever used, um, and I'm using things I never thought I'd use, which is crazy. I never thought I'd be in that position, but I am. Um, I'm going to go into full detail at a later podcast and another YouTube video talking exactly about my prep cycle um, and the reasons why I've not necessarily taken a, a step back away from talking about it because I'm still talking about it. I'm still open that I'm using anabolic steroids, but just the, the angle I'm coming at. Um, because I realize, I'll briefly touch on it now, and now that I'm in here, now that I'm here with you guys, um, I realize that whether I like it or not, I'm an influencer, um, and a key word of that is influence. Um, and I definitely had a positive influence on a lot of people um, coming out about steroids, talking about um, blood work and, and taking care of yourself, correct supplementation, and putting yourself in an optimal position despite putting yourself at a suboptimal position with steroids. Um, and I got a lot of positive messages. You know, I'm going to take half the dose of what I started. I'm going to take this precaution. I'm now taking this precaution. I even had people say, I've come off and I'm going to start again. And I'm going to get my natural gains first because I've started too young. And that's awesome. That was definitely the effect I wanted. But in contrast, I also had people say, wow, look at your results on such a little dose. I want to do that. I'm going to do that. And that wasn't the goal. That generally wasn't the goal. The whole goal was just to document my process and, and uh, to allow people to make their own decisions. But inevitably, whether I like it or not, people have taken my influence. So I just thought it'd be a little bit smarter, a little bit more mindful of me. Like I'm 26 years old. I've got people who follow me who are under 26, majority, you know, most of them under 20, you know, so I've got a lot of impressionable young guys out there, um, and many of you guys might be listening right now, and that's not the intention that I wanted, I didn't want to show you what these drugs could do on a little dose, for you to then start on a little dose, and it's fine because it's a little dose, no it's not, like steroids will harm you, um, and I just wanted to, 
I wanted to change the approach that I've come at and make it safer for everyone. Um, and realizing that I don't necessarily understand the interactions of all of these drugs and, and to be able to explain them in depth and do them justice, um, not only puts like me at risk in terms of, it doesn't put me at risk really, it puts you at risk, but it puts my conscience at risk because I've given out information that I shouldn't have given out. Um, not only that, but I'm, I'm very open in the fact that my coach does a lot of this. Um, and if I was to give out wrong advice, it would give him a very, very, you know, it would give him a, a wrong light, a wrong view to look at if I put out the wrong information because he does not put out, give it to me wrong, you know. Um, he's very, very thorough. And for me to be able to not undermine him and, and try to give out his information, but if I don't do it justice and I don't explain it right and I don't fully know these interactions, I've got no business talking about it, you know. And I think that's something that, us as influencers need to consider, um, which is why I was a little bit worried about Brandon Harding talking. I know he's probably not going to listen to this. If you do, what's up, dude? This is why I was a little bit conscious about what you were saying. I'm going to talk as though he's listening. He's definitely not. Um, but this is why I was a little bit worried about what you said in your video. It was very, very emotional. Um, and I realized that you probably picked up the camera in emotion and that's fine, dude. Um, it's a fucking hard game, you know, it's a mentally challenging game, but personally, while I respect you, I respect the hustle, I respect the hard work that you've got, that you've done, I will respect anyone who has done what Brandon has done, because it is unreal whether you like the dude or not, 375,000 subscribers, unbelievable, making money that none of us can believe, um, probably that he can't believe, he's living the life that we all want to live, and, and fair play to the dude, but it was fairly reckless to talk about the drugs he was taking in the amounts and, and the doses. Um, one, because if someone else to re reciprocate that, they'll be very, very harmed. You've obviously, he's obviously built up to that over time, but mainly because he doesn't know the interactions or shall I say, you don't know the interactions of these drugs. So for you to go, try go through these drugs and explain what they do is, is fairly reckless at one point, dude, in your, in your video. And I mean, this with the most respect, I'm going to keep talking like he's listening to this guy. So enjoy this segment. Um, you said T3, this is what makes me lose weight and what makes me continue to lose weight. You then moved on to the next drug. Um, I just want you to consider that a 15 year old may, a 15 year old obese dude who follows you, who's motivated by you, who gets bullied at school, is looking for any out that he can to lose weight, may sound bite. T3, lose weight, cool, I'll take that. You know, like it, 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 you don't mean it like that. I know that. And, and we don't mean it like that. I know that, you know. But inevitably, as influencers, and as a big influence as, as Brandon has, as you have, Brandon, um, it's fairly reckless to talk about things when you don't know them. Like, if, if, if someone was to take T3 and fuck it up, you're on thyroid drugs for the rest of your life. This is thyroid hormone. It's not an appetite suppressant. It's not a fat loss drug. It's a thyroid hormone. It speeds up your metabolism. Um, and if you fuck that up, you're on tablets for life. And, and, and that's not a good thing to have. And, and I just think it was very reckless. Um, but you know what, with the pressure that the kid's under, I can't, I can't, you know, I can't blame him. It was a very, very difficult situation that he's been in. He's 21. He's made all this money. He's got all this fame. He's got all this pressure, all these people relying on him. It was about time, um, that something happened like that. And, 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 and I hope he's all right. And I hope things get very, very well for him after, after he has a nice little clear out of the drugs. Um, man, this 3D energy drink is banging. Um, but that's it, dude. That's, that's it, do's and do that's, that's That's kind of what I want to talk about in terms, in terms of drugs. I'm going to do a full YouTube video about it. Um, and then after my prep, 
In fact, don't worry. I'm going to do a full YouTube video about it. Some of the things I want to talk about today, guys. Um, I think I'm going to start on a, just while we're talking about me and, and the stuff. I'm going to talk about my expectations with competing and, and, and how to be realistic and how to kind of just approach a show, um, especially a show that's going to be different than anything I've ever done before. It's pro. I'm using drugs. The guys are going to be using drugs for years before me. I have to be realistic in what I can expect from it. Am I going to turn pro in the first year that I've ever taken steroids for only six months on gear? I think realistically, probably not. Um, I'm probably, I think the shape's there. I think the, the, the condition will be there inevitably in nine, nine and a half weeks. But more importantly, I think I'm going to be missing the muscle mass, um, which is not a problem for me right now. It doesn't, mo doesn't demotivate me or anything like that. In fact, it motivates me to work harder. But if it gets to the point where in nine weeks time I stand on that stage and they say, you need more condition, great, I can get more condition. You need to be pos posing better, great, I can improve that. But if they turn around and say, you need more muscle mass to be able to be competitive in this, in this league, that'll be my season on the head, guys. Um, I think it's the smart decision, it's the long-term decision um, to put the season on the head when they've given you the feedback of you're not big enough. You know, but you know, maybe maybe one other one, maybe a different federation or something. But the two bros pro, IFBB pro is what I want. Um, so if it was a case of you need to be bigger, I'm not in the position where I need to be pushing drugs crazy right now. You know, I, I've only just started using them. Yes, I could, you know, fucking slam a load of trend in and I would grow and I would get bigger. But that will come at the detriment to my health. And it's not something that I'm. I necessarily need to do when I can do it in a healthy way by just like calling the off season and just starting an off season, you know, in, in July or whatever, or in August. Um, but you know, it could go one or two ways. It could go one or two ways, you know, it might be fine and I might be on the money and I might be what they're looking for. So that's what we're working for. But I just wanted to throw out that you have to remain realistic and you have to remain in the, the now, you know, it's very easy with social media. Like I put a picture up of me shredded, looking good. People will literally comment on it saying, oh, there's no way you can't get a pro card without seeing the other 10 people that are on stage with you, without seeing what condition they're in, without seeing what size they're in. So it's very easy to let like social media get to your head, especially when you've got like followers and, and quote unquote fans. I don't want to call you guys fans, family, whatever. But people who support your journey, inevitably they're going to be biased, right? Like I've done the same, you know, I've, I've, I've always placed people who I like more above people who I like less, you know, it's just a thing that we do in our brains. Um, so it's very easy for people to say, oh, you look sick, you're going to do great. Um, but the reality is like, I've got to remain grounded. I've got to see what the previous winners look like. They're all pretty fucking big dudes. Um, they're all really big dudes, probably bigger than I am now. Um, might mean, might mean I need a few more kilos, but it'd be very, very interesting to see my shape with the use of anabolics and, and, and what I can bring with the use of anabolics. And knowing that I've barely scratched the surface um, is a very, very good feeling because there'll be people who've been digging a hole, <laughs> um, so to speak, um, for a while in terms of drugs. And I know that I'm going to beat them. So it's a motivating year, nevertheless, just to kind of see where I stand. Um, but I think if it's not this year, it'll be next year that I'll get my pro card. That's a big fucking ask. That's a big order. Uh, um, anyway, I want to move on a little bit. I'm talking a little bit about the power of the mind and the digestive system and some, some amazing things that I learned when I was at the Muscle Mentals podcast um, about digestion. So where do you think, this is a question for you guys wherever you are, where do you think digestion starts? Does it start in the mouth? Does it start in the stomach? 
Or, alternatively, here we go, does it start with your eyes? Because the moment that we see food, the moment we see the process of food being cut, the moment we smell food, we that is a signal to our brain that food is happening. And, and what happens is that we start to upregulate the production of saliva. We start to upregulate the production of, of, of you know, protease, lipase, amylase, um, digestive enzymes that are going to help us break down our meal. So actually, um, it could be that digestion starts with the eyes, which is a very, very cool concept. And there was a study. Um, it was done with a, a milkshake. And one milkshake was... 200 calories one milkshake was 600 calories um, and they had like two control groups one one neutral group um, and they found and, and and they so they had a label on 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 the milkshake and it said this is 600 calories full fat you know blah 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 the other one was like this is a skinny milkshake blah 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 and they and they were they were identical the milkshakes were identical they had the exact same calories exact same macros they were made from the same machine and what they found was that the people who who consumed the the shake that had 600 calories on it you know high fat high this actually had a bigger ghrelin spike than the guys who didn't who had the 200 calorie one but it was the same so ghrelin is a hunger hormone that regulates appetite um it works in conjunction with leptin and and how fucking crazy is that the brain told them it's more calories, therefore had a bigger hunger spike. There was no more calories in it. It was the exact same. So in doing, having that bigger ghrelin spike, um, that would actually have a knock-on effect to hunger down the line, you know? So proprioception, perception is a huge element of uh, everything, you know? You perceive something to be hot before you, before you touch it, you know you're going to feel that heat before you even get there, you know, whether it's hot or not. Um, it's such a cool concept, the power of the mind and, and linking into digestion there. Like, um, it's just crazy, you know, like it, it is mental because you know, whenever you think of that food, your mouth starts watering, that is a signal, you know? So part of what I've been rolling out for my clients recently is, is some eating techniques and actually to take part in your cooking process is such a, a cool way to tell your body to, I'm fucking eating now. I'm hungry. I'm going to eat, you know, because you're making the food. Um, you're going through that process and actually spending 10 minutes making that food is 10 minutes of telling your body we're going to eat soon. We're going to eat soon rather than rather than living in this world where we Uber Eats to the door. We are working until the Uber Eats rings at the door. We then get the Uber Eats. We come sit back in front of our laptops and we start eating. Body doesn't know you're eating. Body's just like we're in work mode, you know, so you're highly sympathetic. Um, your HCL, your digestive enzymes, your, your salivary glands are all downregulated because you're focusing on work. You need better brain function. Um, and you're not necessarily focusing on digesting and recovering, which is where our parasympathetic will come in. Whereas if you take your time to, or take your moment to sit away from your desk, to tell your brain you're eating, sit at your eating desk, or just move away from where you're working, or you know, take part in your cooking process, or at least take five minutes before to just know you're going to eat, um, you can actually improve your digestion. You can improve your assimilation. Um, there's a big thing about stress and digestion and how stress can just really affect digestion. And in fact, I have a few clients that are very stressed and they constantly have digestive issues. And it's those days where we say, relax, take a day off, go away with your girlfriend, go away with your boyfriend, that they have no digestion problems. And it's no difference in foods. It's just stress. 
Um, so actually being in control of your autonomic nervous system, being in control of your stress, stress responses and putting yourself in a non-stressed environment to eat is better for your digestion and assimilation. Um, and I think, it, I, th I think that ghrelin study um, with the milkshake really highlights that in the fact that your brain will dictate what happens a lot of the time, you know, and that concept of the power of the mind is so big um, and so apparent that you can see it across everything you do, you know, like before I go to cardio, I know that my heart rate starts to raise because I know it's coming, you know, and, and, and readying yourself for different scenarios. Um, it's slowly becoming a very big thing in the industry, you know, switching between sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system um, and just making sure you are in control of your autonomic nervous system. Um, I just thought that was a really cool thing. I like, I got that down on my podcast notes. I just thought that was a really cool thing to talk about and, and, and actually having that, that actual study, like you can Google it, milkshake, ghrelin response or something like that on, on PubMed. And it's just mad, like the same calories and it had a different effect. So I really thought that was an interesting thing to talk about. I like to bring interesting things to people's lives and I hope I did that there. <laughs> um, I've got a few more notes here that I wanted to talk about. One was going to be um, when you're in a deficit, how do you decide between upping cardio or reducing calories? Um, and the next one is Insta girls. So we're going to go with cardio and reducing calories first. And then we're going to go on to the Insta girl thing that I wanted to talk about. And, um, so going into a cutting phase, we know that there is a main thing that we need to focus on natural or assisted. It is performance in the gym. Performance in the gym, retention of numbers, improving of total volume put to a muscle is going to either build muscle if you're assisted, um, in fact, natural for the first few weeks, um, or retain muscle for both of you guys. Um, if you're, if you start lifting 100 kilos at 10 reps and then next week you immediately go to five reps, you have less reason to keep that muscle. Therefore, we need to focus on performance and we need to make sure that performance is prioritized um, in order to maintain muscle mass. Um, this, for me, is a balance of calories. Um, yes, cardio will take calories away, but if you're just eating a very little amount, I feel that affects performance more than anything. So for me, a prep usually goes in this manner. You start your normal bulking calories. We do the initial six, 700 calorie drop, put you into a deficit, monitor your weight loss, monitor your recovery, monitor your volume management, monitor your progress in the gym. Um, and then we will continuously pull off calories only until we we feel, um, and this will come through discussion and dialogue between the client and the coach, we feel that we're at a good place in terms of performance, recovery, and we're not taking too much food away to affect recovery. Because as soon as we start to affect recovery, we start to affect performance. And when, when we get to this point where we've pulled down um, calories to a point where we're both happy, this is when I would introduce cardio. So I wouldn't do cardio like straight away because let's face it, if you're doing a 16, 20 week prep, you don't want to be doing cardio for the entire thing. I just switched to cardio every day at 11 weeks out after dieting for seven weeks, you know, so it took me seven or eight weeks to even get to everyday cardio. Um, initially it was just food drop, food drop, food drop until me and my coach felt, yeah, you know what? This is a very productive amount of calories. I feel good. I'm not too hungry. Yeah, I'm still going to get hungry. I'm trying to lose weight. Um, recovery is still good. Performance is still good. Cool. Let's do cardio now. Um, and inevitably, my cardio, I would say, I can do it. I've, I've, got, I've got, got the flexibility. 
doesn't affect my training because I do it fasted first thing. I then get two or three meals before I train again. So I'm replenished, recovered. My fatigue has gone from cardio. I've got caffeine to help me through my performance. And inevitably my performance is, is very, very high because of the way I set myself up. Now, not everyone can do that. Um, and if you were to put your cardio in a schedule, I would put it post-workout because, again, performance is the most important thing. Um, a lot of people, when they're in a weight loss phase, get attached to the cardio because they think the cardio is going to move is going to move more more calories. Well, no, you're wrong. Like a two-hour gym session will burn way more calories than an hour cardio session. And there's no one who I'm going to put on more than an hour a day. You know, well, actually, to be fair, I've had bodybuilders on more than an hour today, an hour a day, but. Training is so metabolically demanding. Um, not only that, but you're actually using muscle. You're sending a muscle building signal to your body, a muscle retention signal to your muscles, um, and a, an imperative signal that you need during a fat loss phase. Um, if you were to just ramp up cardio and tone down training, you would literally probably stay the same body fat and just lose muscle because muscle is much more nutrient dense and, and easier for your body to to. to to use essentially. So you've got to give it a reason to stay, which is why um, we would decide between upping, uh, sorry, reducing calories and upping cardio. Which one would you prefer? Well, we reduce car uh, reduce calories until we're at a good recovery capability um, and we're not compromising that. Then we're introduced to cardio. So I hope that makes it pretty clear for people because um, it's a big, big question that I get a lot. What do I do? Should I up cardio? Should I do this? Well, reduce food, like I said, until a good point and then use cardio. And then guess what? When it gets to a point, you're going to have to do both anyway, and performance is going to be uh, compromised. But the idea between a, between a prep, um, between week one of your prep and week 16, or week 20 of your prep, whatever it is, stage date, is to improve and keep performance as high as you can for as long as you can. Um, whether that's six weeks or whether that's 12 weeks, whatever it is for you, you want to extend that as long as you can. Um, and I hope that's some decent advice for you guys. Finally, I wanted to touch on to the Insta girls. Um, Insta girls get a lot of hate. I find, I find Insta girls got a lot of hate and I think some of it's deserved. However, I think most of it isn't. A lot of these girls are forming incredible portfolios of business of fucking whatever um let me use grace fit as an example i used to think she was a pencil um she <laughs> she started off with the bands she started off with the kickbacks and, and all this rubbish youtube stuff um which was just not muscle building stuff it's just basically what girls wanted to see and i had i lost a lot of respect for her i unfollowed her um but I, that was definitely me jumping to a conclusion because little little would I have seen is her journey changed. She realized that didn't work and she tried something else. You know, she went vegan. She she started doing yoga and then she tried that. And then guess what? She found something else, a sustainability uh, clothing company. And now you look at her, she's a millionaire. She must be a millionaire. She has a million girl bosses following her. She is a girl boss. She is unreal. Yeah, and she knew her lane and she knew that the lane that she was in wasn't the right lane. So she changed and, and that's what I jumped to conclusion with initially and I think that's what a lot of girls are starting out as. Um, I think a lot of these girls, you know, they, because it's easier for a girl to get followers, obviously, you know, men are perverts, let's face it, you know, so 
you know a lot of a lot of the following is going to be men but also a huge part of um female fitness is that camaraderie between women and that's something that i was overlooking when i was initially you know or oh, fuck these insta girls it's like no they're doing a great thing for fitness you know they're putting out positive messages um most of the time um and they're finding their own way like a lot of these girls actually who i grew up i say grew up with i came up with in the industry um grace fit lauren tickner um i'm trying to think of a few other ones lisa lisa fit um remains girlfriend I used to think they were all the same. I used to just think, fuck, like, they're just stupid workouts, don't know how to build muscle. And now look at all of them. Like, Lauren runs her own, like, business that helps influencers. Lisa is now, like, a fitness, influ- like, full-on fitness influencer because she found her lane. She, she, she now does workouts every single week. And it's amazing. Like, you see her page, it's so interactive. Grace found her, her, her clothing company, moved away from fitness. And, it's, and I think it's really inspirational um, to see these women blossom and to see that they were taking the wrong paths initially and they found their own paths and I think that's fucking awesome and that's exactly what I've done over the years you know I started off trying to be Guzman and I realized I'm not going to be Guzman because Guzman's Guzman and I know more than him (laughs) about bodybuilding so I found my niche you know and I started bodybuilding but I found that that crossover between lifestyle and stuff and that's what these guys have done so my 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 point is here is to don't rush to the conclusion which I've done and will do again and will probably repeat over my lifetime. But watching these females blossom has been awesome, actually. Um, I might not follow them because like, it's not my thing. But watching three women, three powerful women, go from the same journey, really, just like a bit of fitness, a bit of online coaching, or, you know, like Gymshark model, but to just boss fucking women is sick. Like that's motivation for me. Um, so yeah, that, that's literally what I wanted to talk about. I, I remember I was I was actually going through Grace Fit's um, profile because I know my girlfriend follows her quite quite heavily as well. And I thought, fuck, like this, she's bossed it. Like she sold up ten thousand units in like an hour. And I just think anyone who's doing that is amazing. Um, I remember I put up on my story the other day, like someone someone sent me a message saying, "Why do you follow Logan and Jake Paul?" And my response was. I will f- learn from anyone. Anyone, if you're under, if you're under 22, like Logan and Jake um, and Grace, she's like 22, maybe 23, and you're a millionaire, you have my respect, regardless regardless of your of your um, your niche. You know, Logan and Jake, they're crazy on YouTube. They approach, they are towards a younger or Jake's more towards a younger fan base. Stupid, silly shit, but he's worth. 50 million so i have not got an ounce of hate for him in my body my my ounce for him is an admiration and how he's found his niche and how he's built his business and the same thing goes for these girls you know it, yes they may not be my cup of tea yes they may not be your cup of tea but what you can take from them and how they found their niche over the years is priceless um, and just know that the lane that you're in right now might not be the one that you finish in so don't worry if you come to think I don't want to do this anymore. I need to change. It doesn't mean that everything's going to go. It just means that the the lane's changed and, and the direction that you go has changed. It doesn't mean that the final destination um, of success is not going to come. And I think that's really, really important to take. And I just wanted to summarize it around those women because they've really, really impressed me. Um, they may piss me off of all their adverts that I get from them. Um, 
and I may not like believe that, the, that they're doing the best thing in terms of like you know exercise selection in terms of fitness and all that stuff but it doesn't matter it's it's more about the message that they're conveying and and, and the journey that they've taken and now they're all bosses they're all worth loads of money they're all killing it they've all got very very well switched on heads they've they've uh outsourced what they need to outsource they've probably got business managers and they're making awesome moves so congratulations to those guys um and not congratulations to me for jumping to conclusions when i was younger um, I'm going to run through three questions from the Instagram and then we're going to wrap this podcast. First question comes from Drew Best. Tips and advice for, v- v- yeah, it says vegetarian, but I think he means vegetarian. Oh no, it says vegetarian. I had a th- mark on my screen. <laughs> vegetarian bodybuilders. So vegetarian bodybuilding, vegan bodybuilding, it is a thing. It's fine. Um, calories, like if you've got your um, pyramid of hierarchy, Calories are at the top, macros are next, meal timing and all that kind of stuff is after that. So as long as you're hitting your calories, you are going to gain muscle or lose body fat, whatever your goal is. The only thing I would recommend for vegan vegetarian bodybuilders is to make sure you're getting adequate protein source. Obviously, you're vegetarian, so you might be able to get away with eggs. I don't know if you have eggs, so eggs are an amazing protein source. Whey is a really, really good protein source for you to get, and it shouldn't be too difficult for you to get your protein. Um... Vegan guys, a little bit harder. Mix things like rice and beans for a complete amino acid complex. Um, we know that you've got, kind of got a lot of incomplete proteins in vegetables, but if you mix the right ones together, you can get complete proteins. It's super easy to find them. Literally just Google like vegan complete proteins. There's like fucking eight or 10 of them. And then there's like an option of what can you mix together to make a complete protein? And I know that rice and beans is one, for example. So that's something that you can do just to make sure you're getting a full amino acid complex. Use EAAs, essential amino acids, another really, really good way to get like a good dump of easily absorbable, digestible protein. Um, Usually they're vegan. Um, In terms of vegetarian and vegan diets, just assess what you're not getting. So you're probably not getting a lot of iron, calcium, things that you get in meat. So maybe you'll need to supplement with those. Vegetarian, to be honest, like you're pretty decent with the food choice you can have. Vegan, not so much. Uh, make sure you're getting the B6, B12 in. Um, vitamin D as well. Um, we just get outside in the sun like I am right now. Um, and generally just being conscious of what you're lacking in your diet because it's not necessarily what, you, what you're eating. It's more just like what you're not eating. Um, and we know that like red meat, chicken, good quality highly bioavailable source of protein with a lot of more so beef like a lot of good micronutrition and, and metals in there that you need just to be kind of healthy you know so make sure you're, you're making up for those that you're missing um and really not much is different um like i said like vegetarians easy to get your protein in vegetarians really really easy to bodybuild in fact i did vegan for like three months like a couple of years ago in 2016 um, the only thing that was hard was just the amount of food and the amount of fiber. Um, so just try pick like low, if you're in an off season, pick low fiber foods. Things aren't going to affect your digestive system too much. Um, and just be careful which plants you're eating because plants are like, they don't have fucking claws. They don't have teeth. The only thing they have to like fight off in foreign invaders, predators is like what they can give off in their uh, like leaves flowers um and they'll give like po- little mild poisons which is why we can get quite irritated from things like broccoli and all that kind of stuff you know so find out which ones irritate you find out which ones cause you a problem and avoid them and then otherwise there's no there's nothing else that needs to change um at all i want to address this question um 
as you know, I like to stay away from the drug questions, but I got this so much at Body Power. It sort of pissed me off. Um, no offense to the guys that asked me about it. You know, I, I realize that you're just trying to be inquisitive to someone who's taking it, but a lot of it was just like, oh, you didn't really get many side effects. Like, if you felt anything different, you know, like I had side effects from all of them. Like the side effect of steroids is everyone's going to get, you know, like it doesn't necessarily mean that everyone's going to get acne and everyone's going to get gyno. Those are the ones that people talk about. Uh, the people, ones that don't, people don't talk about and also probably don't know about blood pressure goes up, cholesterol goes down, healthy cholesterol goes down, bad cholesterol goes up. Um, liver markers skew a bit more, kidney markers skew a bit more. Yeah, you might not feel the, the side effects and you might not see them like gyno and, and, and acne, but they are there. And a lot of people were saying, oh, you only took 250, you didn't get any side effects. That mean that I won't get any. Everyone's different. You know, I've always had good skin. I was never going to get gyno. Uh, sorry, I was never going to get acne. Um, I control my estrogen, so I'm not going to get gyno, but my blood pressure is still high higher than it was when I was natural. My cholesterol is still lower than it was when I was natural. And it's when we spend long periods of time like this that you will see the side effects. So no, I've not had any side effects that you guys can see, but I have side effects that I have, you know, but you don't necessarily feel them, you know? Like I don't really feel high blood. That's why they call high blood pipe. That's why they call blood pressure the silent killer because you don't necessarily feel it, you know? Also, your blood glucose can creep up and you don't feel it. Um, and those are all things that you don't want to do. So, yes, I have side effects um, since I'm using anabolics. They just aren't necessarily visual ones. Finally, guys, um, this is a cool question. Is there any minimum time of training before competing or do you just be realistic? So this is very goal dependent. Look, guys, if you want to be the next IFBB pro, stop fucking competing. <laughs> um, it, it's hard to build muscle. It needs a lot of time to build muscle. You know the amount of kids that come to me and say they want to be an IFBB pro and they're like 180 pounds soaking wet. It's just like, no, you need to spend two years growing first to even think about getting on stage. And even then, you're going to have to get lean, get shredded, and then you're still not going to be big enough. You know, like it, I've been trying to be an IFBB pro for nine years. Well, five years but like i've been training for nine years and i'm still not going to be big enough you know with seven months of that being um on anabolic so if you want to be the best in this business i would hold off your competitive season for as long as you physically can or until you can be competitive for example my coach callum he's six foot four he's 270 odd pounds he's never competed or he competed five years ago and then he said, I don't need to compete until I'm going to be competitive again. So what did he do? He went away for five years and worked his fucking bollocks off. Same thing with Alberto Nunes. He's a natural bodybuilder. He takes three to four years between his off seasons because he knows the difference that you need to make is bigger than what can happen in six months. So stop your six month off seasons, stop your year off seasons and take two years out at a time minimum. Um, and don't compete until you think you're going to be competitive. However, if you want to compete for an experience, that's a different story. That's a completely different story. If you want to compete for an experience to see what it's like, you know, by all means, you know, get a couple of years training under your belt. So you've got the muscle mass to cut, um, and you get the look that you want to look. Cause I know that everyone wants to be shredded and they want to have striated glutes and they want veins in their stomach and their legs. But guess what? If you don't have the muscle mass, you're not going to get like that. The amount of people that say, why can't I get as shredded as you? Because I'm a hundred kilos. I have a lot more muscle than you. You know, the, the more muscle you have, the denser it's going to look, the leaner it's going to look, the more vascular you're going to be. 
Um, so if you find yourself cutting for a long time and this stuff just isn't happening, you don't have enough muscle mass. That's your answer. You know, uh, I've got an 18 year old kid at the moment who's competing, um, or thinking about competing at least. And, 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 you know, as we, we strip body fat down and he says, why are my legs not getting cut? Why is this not getting cut? Cause you're 18 dude. And you've got, you know, and that's what I said to him. I said, you're 18 dude. You've got so much more that you need to build before you even can consider having striated glutes. That there's no point even doing it, you know? Um, and that was a conversation that we have to have. And that's a conversation that you have to have of yourself. If you want to look like these guys, you need as much muscle as them. It's not going to happen overnight. Uh, that's my advice on that guys. That's my podcast. It's good to be back. It's good to be in the flow of talking again. I hope you guys enjoyed this one. Um, I will be bringing out a podcast every week. I hope you guys stay tuned. This is the Bridging the Gap podcast. I'm Josh Bridgman, and I shall speak to you very, very soon. Peace, everybody.